This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 187 of What Most People Think. And it is good to be back in the UK on Terra Firma. I was, I mean, I managed to squeeze out a podcast last week. What a horrible image. Squeeze. Just imagine me, just, just got to get this podcast out. So I was a bit ill and tired and stuff. But um, but yeah, it was, it, I needed to, man. Big political news last week. So that went up late last week. So if you missed that, do go back and have a listen. But I'm now back. I did my last of the three weekends of European gigs. I did Stockholm, which was fun, and did Helsinki. And you j- just, I had fun in Helsinki. Big shout to Ray Zambino, who's the host there, a Scottish guy that's based out there. Very funny. Went drinking with him afterwards, and I got into, I got too drunk, let's just say that. And I, first time this year, really, that, that sounds like bargaining, doesn't it? <laughs> it was funny the first time this year. But they've got this drink out there, which is kind of like a shot which is kind of like a cross, it's got licorice and salt in. Now, you know when you wake up and you're shocked at how much you drank? I mean, I got in at four, I woke up, and then to have the taste of licorice and salt, that is, I mean, it's not a great taste to begin with. And then not only that, I'd clearly got a kebab, which I only vaguely remember getting. And I do remember it being big, though, and I ate all of it. So I woke up with the taste of licorice and salt in my mouth, and the smell of kebab in my hotel room, and a massive day of travel ahead. So you can, you can imagine, at 46, I was very pleased with my life decisions there. And and then worst of all, I got on the train, I got my shit together, I had a shower, got on the train back to Helsinki Airport, and then I noticed that the jacket I was wearing had a bit of kebab juice on. And I smelled of kebab, and I thought, I cannot have a whole day of travel. I can't put that on anybody else. Um, so I went into the toilet in in the train, tried to wash it. That didn't really work. And then I had to do a full costume change, basically. Because, I, I, you know, it's bad enough being the hungover middle-aged guy on a plane, but smelling of kebab, that, won't, that really won't do. Uh, but welcome to what most people think. If this is the first time you're listening, uh, it's normally not as bleak as this, I would say that. Having said that, actually, the, the, the journey onwards, when I got on the, the train from Gatwick, because the trains are just fucked all the time at the moment, particularly on Sundays. And I sat down, and there was a mum with her kid, and I thought the kid looked like a bit of a shithead, to be honest. He was about 11 or 12. He had that, he had that modern look of a kid, a boy whose mum's never told him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> but I thought, yeah, just don't, don't, don't categorise people like that, Jeff. And then the truth is, we categorise people for reasons. He was exactly that. Really regretted it. For the whole journey, he was just playing things loud on his phone. His mum was occasionally telling him to turn it down. I would say put in some earphones, but... Um, 
but uh, he was doing it to get her attention, and then he started kicking me under the um, under the table, right? So I just thought, you know what? I'm, a, I'm, I'm fair youth, tempt not a desperate man. I am 46. I am hungover. So in the end, I just decided to stare him out. And I, I, is this is this dodgy? Is this problematic? And then eventually, and he went, "What?" Like he, and then I th- and then his mum sort of was, well, "What's going on?" I said, "Your son keeps kicking me under the table." now and then he did it once more after that and I thought oh god but then I looked at his mum I thought god she knows he's an arsehole I could tell by the look on her face and then then I completely shifted to my anger for him moved into empathy for her I thought she's just being a mother she knows life's going to be tough for him she's got to be the one person who supports him so I sort of then flipped to being as as, as kind of like you know giving her as many smiles as I could probably too many smiles maybe she ended up thinking that I wanted to be the kid's new stepdad <laughs> Um, so this is what most people think, the podcaster, that, well, you know, it comes from a, a more right of centre angle than most of topical comedy and will sometimes start with stories of kebab juice and staring out 12-year-olds. Speaking of young men, uh, the guests on this week's show, I am so glad I got these boys on. I finished the chat with them just now. You're, I love this. Uh, they're called Boys Gone Wild, uh, Horatio and Andrew. They're a double act who are putting out. One of them does stand up, but they put out podcasts and content on TikTok, and I thought I'm getting on for nearly 200 episodes, and I've never spoken to anybody under the age of 30. Never. Now I know some of you are a bit older. I don't want to hear from bloody younger comedians, Jeff. Just, just bear me out. These boys, that you, that you can't pigeonhole them. They are not. They are not what you might think uh, comics from their generation are like. In some respects, you know, maybe their their hard p politics might be a bit, but their small p politics aren't. And the way that they think about stoicism and and mental health and 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 you you just got to listen to this chat. I have to say I think that conversations between age groups is one of the great untapped areas of of comedy. You know, and I hope you enjoy. So I wasn't able to talk for them for super long, but I hope you enjoyed the chat, and we will definitely get them back on. The main talking point. Um, David Domain, our super patron, who keeps track of previous shows and picks up on one or two things for us to talk about. He says, Jeff, I hope you're well and enjoyed your transcontinental tour. We can't call it that, mate. Can't call it that. Um, I thought you would smash Denmark. Um, I did have a lot of fun in Denmark. Studies often cite it as the happiest nation on the planet. And also, they find our language easy to learn and understand it. Understand, evidently. I mean, as I, I mean, I think I said last week, but as I said to them, just so you know, there's no Danish comics in London doing comedy in Danish. All right, this is a one-way fucking valve. Um, in case you're wondering what the e- easiest language is for English speakers to learn, uh, it's Norwegian. Um, it's Norwegian. It don't. I mean, we. I suppose the 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 hardest thing about Norwegian has got to be the rhythms of it. You know, the kind of we are getting on the plane. There's a sort of because I got Norwegian Airlines flights a couple of times and. God, is this politically incorrect to say? Their stewardesses were sturdy. And I, I, does that sound like an insult? Because it doesn't mean to. But just just physically, they just looked... <laughs> they just looked rock solid. I, I, it was a really hard thing. You know, some stewardesses are a little bit small and that. Some stewardesses wear loads of makeup and hairspray. But these, these women were just like fucking... Do you know what I mean? If there's a terrorist, I reckon they would have gone, leave it with us, lads. Um... <laughs> So yeah, Norwegian. If you want to learn a language, an easy one, it's Norwegian. On the flip side of that, hardly anyone speaks fucking Norwegian. Um, new patrons, remember the show is kept ad-free, weekly and ad-free by our wonderful Patreon community. And so what it means is that you don't have me. I mean, like just, I mean, maybe the what I just said about Norwegian Airlines could be seen as an ad. Oh, I just got to say, 
uh, word from this week's sponsors, Norwegian Airlines, guys. Norwegian Airlines, sturdy, not sexy. Now, th- that again, they, I'm not saying they weren't sexy, but equally, if I was to say they were sexy, that would also be a form of objectification. So um, you, can, you can be sure that, well, I'm not censoring myself on account of what the uh, corporate sponsors might think, but although I might be censoring myself on the grounds of general taste and decency. Uh, so if you become a patron, you just go online, you go to Patreon, you type in Jeff Norcott or what most people think, and a whole world of content is available. Patreon-only episodes, my last three stand-up specials. You could just sit there and watch them. They're streaming. St- honestly, streaming. They're just like, just like Netflix. They're streaming. My show, I Blame the Parents, where it started streaming uh, from the middle of January. And just even going in at the entry-level Patreon, you get access to all of that. And there are more benefits as it goes up. And there will be new Patreon benefits for the uh, VIP and board member level. I'll be announcing it very shortly. Uh, just two new patrons this week. Um, somebody who's called themselves a cognition. So that means that they don't want to be known. They don't want themselves. Who are you working for? Who are you working Are you working for the SNP? Are you the the counter-revolutionaries against the SNP's woke agenda? Ear cognition. We're pulling the SNP right back. We're pulling them back. Oh, by the way, on that note, actually, uh, Kate Forbes, one of the frontrunners to be the new SNP leader, got in a bit of trouble when she said that that she said she wouldn't uh, have voted for gay marriage at the time. And and it has to be said, that is a minority opinion. Most of society is on side with that now. So I don't know if that's like refreshing honesty or political foolhardiness, but but there's a lot of scrutiny on her now. Some of her backers have immediately dropped out. I mean, which is a bit, well, it's a bit rich given that her views have been in the public domain for quite some time. But also I think Hamza Youssef, who is the, um, who is the other main challenger, he didn't vote for that. I can't. I don't know the reasons why he didn't vote on that day. It's a bit. It's a bit muddy as to whether or not he opposes it. And as a, as a Muslim man, it's just interesting, isn't it? When when a Christian like Tim Farron or Kate Forbes does or says something that, that the vast majority of liberal society find of, including me, who disagree with, it's very easy to go at them on the grounds of a Christian or Anglican style faith, isn't it? But they would just never do the same for any other faith. They just leave it out of it. I mean, even with Blair, they were like, is he a Catholic? We deserve, we deserve to know. If you were saying that about Pretty Patel, is she, what is she? What is she, a Hindu, a Christian? We, we deserve to know. No one would ever say it. So the the SNP leadership race, early early signs suggest it's going to be every much of a, as bit of a donkey derby as the Tory one. <laughs> People just fucking up, putting their foot in it. I mean, it's not going to be as high profile, but if you want a sort of Carabao Cup level style leadership race with people making fools of themselves, then do stay tuned. Okay, quick thank you and a fuck you. Going to thank you for the Tories. A little bit of credit for the Tories for staying out of the news for a whole week. Well done, you. Well done, you. Baby steps. Baby steps. Well done. Let's put a little, let's do a weekly chart and see how many weeks you can not be the main story for. Because of the past, the previous 60 weeks, you were probably the main story for 52. So it, it, it all starts here. <laughs> They've even had good economic news. And as we discussed in the Phil Wang episode, I think there were, there were like a record rise in tax receipts in January this year. Because, you know, they kept telling us it's going to be a recession, but... That is a bit of good news, but of course, I, I haven't checked the BBC business page, but I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to be top news for at least three days, that, or it'll get knocked off by the fact that, I don't know, there's been a 7% rise in the price of 
phone chargers. <laughs> um, so the the good thing, the good thing about the Tories just having a little spell away from the limelight is that Labour Party again are aware that they need to start telling us what they do. And I, you know, I've said under Corbyn, I was alarmed about the prospects of a Labour government, less so under Starmer. But I do, I do worry about them getting like a massive majority for fuck all. I do, I do worry about that. And they know that. So they've started telling us some other stuff they're going to do. And they had a brilliant idea this week, I swear to God, which was the, what was it? The Office for Value for Money. So the fact that the the the, the NHS is basically getting ripped off left, right and fucking centre uh, in the procurement uh, department, this is obviously the Tories' fault. And the way that Labour are going to fight this is they're going to have an Office for Value for Money, which I don't know why, it just sounds a little bit like Ministry for Silly Walks, just like making up fucking departments. The office for value for money. I don't, that doesn't even sound like a real thing. It sounds too wordy. It also sounds like a really bad program pitch for Martin Lewis. But what would be interesting, first up, as a better man, I don't think that this is going to be a thing. All right? It's just not. I will, I will give you odds. Email me, what most people think, UK at gmail.com. I'll give you good odds on this not being in the Labour manifesto come the general next general election. It's just a thing to say, isn't it? It's just a way of reminding the public saying what they really want to do is say the Tories, there's been waste under the Tories. There's been fraud, you know. So they know that they can't just keep being like the Soccer Saturday pundits that they've been for so long with Angela Rayner sitting in the chair, you know, like uh, like Alan McNally or um, who's the guy? Or Paul Merson just sitting there talking to Jeff Stelling. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, Jeff, uh, you know, uh, the Tories, uh, they're not going to be happy with that. That is not what we want to see from a top quality political outfit there. It's much easier for them, or it's been much easier to be the pundits, but now they've got to lead the debate. So this is an indirect way of doing it. But I hope they do in a way, because the potential pitfalls for an office for value for money is is them not getting value for money. There will undoubtedly be... Um, they, they, they'll spend too much on something themselves, right? They won't get value for money. It'll come out for a via a freedom of information request that they once paid over the odds for a platter from Itsu. It'll be demonstrably proved that they paid above market rates for mainstream sushi. <laughs> uh, the fuck you is to the people that changed Roald Dahl's books, right? So evidently Roald Dahl, not the nicest guy in the world, you know, anti-Semitic beliefs, and not a very pleasant person by, by many accounts. But I have to say this thing, I mean, so what was, what was the big example that was given was you couldn't call somebody fat. They changed it to enormous or something. I don't know. Did they? Maybe not. But that wouldn't be better, would it? Fat or enormous. Fat means you're just you're just slightly over the... Um, fat could be anything from three stone overweight to ten stone overweight, right? Enormous. <laughs> that implies that maybe you're going to be one of those people that gets winched out of their fucking house. But um, when they actually remove content, right? So you know like when the BBC removed episodes of Little Britain? I didn't agree with that at all. But at least when you remove them, it's it's so clear that you have to have the debate. You have to make an argument for why you're doing it and we can react and we can um, oppose. But this sneaky fucking re-editing as we go in is, is the worst kind of censorship for me because it kind of flies in under the radar just bit by bit. And we'll make shitty changes. I don't know. What else are you going to do? You're going to call it, change the titles of his books. James and the Giant Peach becomes James and the Plus Size Peach. It's just, it's offensive to people's intelligence. And I know trigger warnings are annoying. I've taken the piss out of trigger warnings in the past. But all right, fine. Slap a trigger warning on it. 
where we need to remind people that this thing from the past that was written and said in the past may sound like something from the past. You know, if people need that, God bless them. <laughs> this thing from 1914 may not sound like things from today. Um, great, do that. But I swear to God, like you, this is pure and applied, the sneakiest form of censorship. And, and, and I would say, if you're going to do it, do it well. Because the the one way, like if you if you give people examples of like changing fat to enormous, I, I just don't understand the problem with the word fat. When I get fat, I, I'm aware I got fat. It's not it's not the word, is it? Really, it's the fact that you're fat that's not good. <laughs> it really, you know, in, it also in an, people keep telling us we're in an obesity epidemic or in an obesity epidemic. You can't call people fat. All right, what, what, well, you know, you can't put pressure on them. What, what, I mean, well, they, nothing else is working. Um, okay, okay. Have I offended the enormous community um, there? Look, I'm overweight. I've been overweight pretty much all my adult life. And if some, someone called me fat, I just, I should lose weight. That's the main thing. The main issue isn't what I'm caught. Co- anyway, let's get into our chat this week with our brilliant guests. Uh, Horatio and Andrew, otherwise known as the Boys Gone Wild, or just Boys Gone Wild. Okay, so making their debut on the What Most People Think podcast, that was a good start, wasn't it, lads? Is the Boys Gone Wild. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thank Thank you. Thanks for having us, Jeff. Pleasure to be here. Okay, so we just need to do, because we don't have many sort of duos appearing on the show, so if we just do a quick ID of you both so they know who's talking. I'm Horatio, and I'm Andrew. So you are, and and this is important, is you're both under the age of 30. Um, Yes. 25. Which sounds fucking sinister for me to ask, like that's some sort of sexual predilection. No, it's not, well, no, well... Well, that's kind of one of the one of the wor- like best paedophiles in the world if it's under thirty, isn't it? Yeah, that's a paedophile that's really worked on it and gone. Like, I'm gonna get, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, he's, gone. Um, he's really walked it back. Are you under thirty, yeah. guys? It's like that's we'll take that, you know. Yeah, he, he sort of like looked at the age gap and thought, I'm actually going to keep the age gap as I grow. So, fifteen years ago, this was illegal, but yeah. now, mm. yeah. Now, <laughs> so, so in his head, think. so in his head, he's thinking fifteen years ago, keeping it illegal in, in his mind. Yeah. Keep, keep the age gap. Um, the the reason I mentioned your age is because it occurred to me. Obviously, I'm a big fan of like your stuff that you do uh, on TikTok and stuff, and you've got an excellent podcast. Is that um, is that I'm 187 episodes in, and and I'd never had anybody on under the age of 30. Really? I thought you were going to say 187 years old. <laughs> I'm 100. I'm, I'm I am I'm a I'm a Yoda. I'm one of whatever the fuck that species is. I'm that and. And so, so essentially, even though you're two, I think you're straight lads. I don't know, but you're two straight yeah. white young men. You, you're on this partially as a diverse, diversity quota, and that must feel pretty good. That does feel good. I very yeah. rarely get that. That's um, true. We, yeah, so we'll take. It's what nice we can to get. be included, not on merit, just on <laughs> identity. For what? Yeah, no, hundred percent on identity. I mean, uh, just with the straight white male thing. I mean. What you you have picked the worst time in history to be straight white males. What the fuck are you playing at? Yeah, we had a meeting. We had a meeting, and I think we thought it would all blow over. Yeah. Um, And so we decided we were going to be straight white men. A few years ago, it was a few years ago. We had a big meeting, and then I I was the one who said that 
we'll, we'll get back on top very soon. I was thinking we should be gay. <laughs> but it, um, so, you should be gay. That yeah, was we, we, um, we've really nailed our colours to the mast now. So I think this is it for the long run. Yeah, um, we've we've kind of dug the hole a bit too deep. Yeah, I wish. We'd... I mean, and not only that, you gone your your Horatio, your Andrew, sometimes referred to as Drew. I mean, you've re- you're not fucking about, are you? Even on a class level, you're going. We're we're going. Oh, well, we're not fucking old about. School. No, 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 no fucking around with classes. No, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 not no, no. no messing about. St- kick it long, straightforward. <laughs> No. Nice and nice and mid, uh, you know it, it sounds up a class because the thing is about classes. Obviously, I wang on about class quite a bit. It's just better to have a bit of money, isn't it? I think we've lost that in the mix somewhere. Is yeah. is it's nothing to be ashamed of? Well, I did. I hear somewhere that your son is called Sebastian. Uh, he yeah yeah yeah. So I'm basically like your my dad's like you basically. That's that's how it. I'm Sebastian. This is what he grows up to be. That's 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 all right. That's all right. That's oh. what the class thing is. Is my dad's so, and well, that's interesting. Play. I mean, I hope I'd be honest. I hope that my son grows up to have a trade, and you know, as in like a <laughs> really? manual, well, a manual trade. A good start. That's quite a <laughs> well, moment between the two. Yeah. But then you know, eventually, mid middle class people, if they're honest, they're quite um, scared of working class men. So at some point. Young middle class men will realise there's fuck all money in the old jobs they used to do, and then suddenly you'll have tradesmen that are called Sebastian and Horatio. Yeah, mm. like artisans. That's the world I want to live in. Mm. <laughs> sure. So you, I mean, already in these these opening minutes, one of the reasons, and you know, in the intro to the show that I mentioned, is that I guess there's this perception of younger people working in comic, and there's this snowflake thing, and there's this Gen Z thing, and. You know, the, the perception would be risk averse, but I think you've already demonstrated that you're not really like that in your comedy, are you? I mean, how does it feel when your generation, comedically, is defined as being a bit uh, a bit prissy when, when you're... I mean, I mean, you can answer for yourselves. Would you class yourself as that, or do you like to take risks? I definitely think something that we've always... We've never, ever been drawn to uh, sensitive... Sensitivity no. around comedy. I, don't, I don't think we ever do. I think we never do mean stuff. You know, sometimes you can see there's a comedy that can feel a bit aggressive towards a certain yeah. group of people. And I think we take from our generation that kind of just be a bit, you don't have to be mean to be funny. But at the same mm. time, a lot of the the kind of more, well, classically woke comedy you see is just not really comedy a lot of the time. So we take, I feel like we will take the appropriate risks. But for me, it's always thinking about is there ever. Is it like a harmful thing I'm saying to a, to a specific person? Oh, I or, don't think that. You don't think about that? I don't think it really, no. it really is. I mean, whether it... it's funny or not. I, I, I genuinely don't, I don't think too much about the harm. Mm. I guess it isn't, it's, 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 it's not, we're trying not to be mean in comedy, but being nice in comedy isn't funny. Either. Yeah, it's not nice. <laughs> nice it is, isn't funny. It's definitely either. not nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of in between the two. Um, you like the first time I became aware of your stuff was on, on TikTok, uh, which a lot of my listeners just think is. But they think me being even being on the platform makes me a nonce. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's the first thing. <laughs> um, and, and, and in fairness, a lot of a lot of the feedback I've had from people your generation, they also see me that way. The um, as a yeah, but it just it's it's not supposed to be for my age group, and yet and yet a lot of comedians, as you all have seen, have suddenly gone. I should put my clips on TikTok, but you actually do it in the way that I think it, it was meant for. Like you do these these clips. One of my favourite clips of yours is there's a black and white clip of uh, basically it seems like an old-fashioned English, like a 1940s man dealing with yeah. hyper-trauma. And, and yeah. so there's a succession of characters 
that talk about losing their partners or loved ones in, in increasingly brutal ways, but they, they kind of use sort of understatements, a classic British understatements to do it. And, and, and it's a clip that, you know, once upon, it looks like the kind of clip once upon a time you'd have seen on a terrestrial show. Like how, how much time and effort do those kind of clips take to produce? Uh, we've got it pretty, we're pretty, we're, we've been making videos since we were like 12. Um, so we've been mm. sort of doing this for a lot. People have only really seen our stuff since we came on TikTok. We've been making very bad videos from an early age and had a long time to kind of get into it. And um, so I think we've got a pretty, we're pretty efficient with it, but it would probably take maybe a day, it's drawn out, mm. three days. Yeah, we'll do a couple of drafts of the scripts. The filming's usually quite straightforward because yeah. nowadays you can just bang on your camera pretty much. Green know, screen just makes it all look screen, so yeah. professional, and it's because you can really, particularly because that was just essentially like a parody of kind of those what was it pathy, the British pathy kind of videos about when they speak to people in the forties and the twenties, and which with a green screen, the, like just a suit on yeah. and a bit of a, an edit where you make it a bit grainy, then you can all of a sudden recreate that kind of look pretty easily the script it was actually inspired there's this amazing video of bertrand russell <clears throat> talking about how smoking saved his life and it's like it's a video from like 1902 it's an interview with him <clears throat> and he's asked about whether smoking is bad for your health and he goes well it's actually saved my life and he talks about how he was flying on a plane and he was in the smoking you know they used, they used to split yeah. planes up and the plane crashed into the norwegian sea and everyone who was in the non-smoking compartment mm. drowned and he di didn't drown because he was smoking. But the way he talked about it was like it was this sort of like, like slightly quirky anecdote. It's like what you mean? Like fifty people? You were there when fifty people drowned in a. <laughs> that's the most awful thing I've ever heard anyone ever yeah. say. And he's talking about it like this is sort of like it's like a quip. <laughs> it's like this little quip. Like, what? I mean, oh, that is wow, to me that's the awful. <laughs> Well, it's the classic smokers' mentality is because what they are is they're essentially much more savage addicts than they realise, and they, they, they change their worldview to incorporate it so yeah the, the, when i was growing up the argument for smoking was well you could be hit by a bus one day and you just think well actually mostly no you know and and, and you're certainly in control of whether you're anywhere near a fucking bus and also the, the the pace that buses tend to move in london you'd probably survive it whereas 40 years of, of smoking um you possibly wouldn't the the undertone of that <laughs> that's <laughs> The, the undertone of that sketch, I suppose, was maybe I get the sense as two blokes that, that you, there's a part of you that maybe grudgingly uh, admires that old resilience, right? Yeah, and that's something that I definitely don't I think connect with our generation. Yeah. I think yeah. We're, both, we're both relatively stoic in a world that's really, really, really encouraging you to open up. And I, I'm certainly very interested in, like, when, when some people, people feel, feel pressured to open up, and it comes out all wrong. Mm. Mm. But it's also just the, this kind of <clears throat> demonization of any form of stoicism, which I don't agree with at all, because there are, it's mm. like, it's, I feel like it's just swings and roundabouts and yeah. the pendulum swinging really far the other way where you have to talk about your emotions consistently all the time. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. What's wrong with saying, actually, I'm just going to get on with it for a bit. Yeah. Like, and when, yeah. but you, yeah. you can do both, you can get on with it for a bit. And then talking mm. about the significant emotional experience or emotions you're feeling. Yeah. But we've kind of accidentally combined, well, maybe not even accidentally, but there's been a combination of if you pull up your socks and get on with something, 
then you've mm. got emotional trauma that you're not <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. and that you're not a good and then you're not being a modern man it's like i, I yeah. think there's there's you're qualities toxic. in both sides yeah i mean even that phrase you know like how when molly may said something about there being hours in the day there were loads of other young people went so molly may's a tory i mean you've just used the, the socks thing you've used the socks yeah, yeah. thing yeah, yeah. and pulling your pulling your socks up and, and that you know that's dangerous for somebody in your generation because that is i suppose it was a poor choice a, of words I'm a, I'm a shock comic it's Great, exactly. it's a great <laughs> look. You're Who's preaching strapped, to the right guy the... here. It's sorry, essentially. I think you're, I don't think you're there now, but I think that you're future Tories, and I want basically want to right. uh, groom, groom the fuck out of you. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> no, but I, I think that those small C conservative things, and actually, they're not they're not specific to the right or left, um, but they have become un, unfashionable ideas. I mean, like. That idea, I mean, I did something on a mash report years ago, but we were saying, you know, it's it's fine for a man to cry in public. And I was like, eh, some, no, yeah. no. I mean, yeah. at the end of a sporting tournament where they win, absolutely. People, right. for some reason, the public fucking love that. Andy Murray crying, Rafa Nadal, he can't get enough crying. If he's just won in the second round, is he all right? That's the question I'm yeah. asking. I think a lot of the comedy comes from a bit of, like, I think both me and Andrew have quite politically... Uh, confusing views because I think we're both fundamentally socialists but then mm. socially definitely have some small city conservative attitudes that yeah. I think some of those clash with the mm. other people who believe the same things I think it'd be weird for anyone in your generation to not be socialist I'm trying to think how the hell I would have still been a conservative given, given the prospects at the moment I mean I saw that graph the other day about the increase in value of house prices is, I mean, you seem quite good humoured, but like you lost quite a bit of your twenties to COVID. Yeah, yeah. You're coming out of bricks. You coming out of bricks. Pandemic, you might be I call it. pandemic. <laughs> um, the you'll also be aware of a a, a a credit crunch. I mean, yeah. what, what what effect does that have on a generation? I know you can't speak for everyone, but is it just like does it make you does it push you beyond into like well we have to take the piss out of this? Well, my first my first memory. I'm, was 9-11 um <laughs> that was like the, the, my first thing and that's it kind of felt between the berlin wall and 9-11 was the only time when life seemed to be like stat quite good and then i what yeah i came into consciousness as 9-11 happened um i saw it on the telly it shaped you it shaped me yeah. and it's just yeah. been, and all the, the older generations always saying how easy we've got it and stuff it's like boomers Boomers have had the fucking the. I, I find that generation hilarious. They've had literally the perfect. They came in after the war, grew up in the fifties. Yeah. Like what's that? Like nuclear family. Mm. You know, it's a bit conservative, but it's stable. That's what you want as a kid. Teenage sixties, yeah. fucking amazing. Best music. Growing up in the seventies as well. Best films. You're coming into it. Then as soon as they start needing to want to make money, the eighties come around. Perfect. Eighties and nineties, boom mm. years. And now they seem to act like they fought in the war as well. It pisses me off so much. It's like you guys have had the perfect run at life. And it, are you happy? Of course you're not happy. You're still fucking complaining all the time. And we've just been dealt recession after recession. It's just a barrel. No, no, I mean, I, I, in my last tour, I sort of flipped to saying, actually, you know, you cannot tell young people that they don't know they're bored. The one thing I would say about boomers is that they didn't have money at the formative bit of their life, right? So they, they only got rich like after uh, after a while but i guess what i'm saying is they had the shittest stuff they had the shittest beds i don't know if you've seen your your parents generation or above <laughs> no just we've we've got like fucking people paying two grand for a mattress they had 
I don't know why their beds were so shit, but they were terrible for a long... The technology was there for beds to be better. So the way I think of them is that they grew up on really uncomfortable beds for years and years and years. But So by the time financial comfort came around, they, put, they were still angry, essentially. So that's why yeah. I'm trying to make sense. You're right in what you say, but I'm trying to work out why can't they allow themselves to think, actually, we've had a bit of a touch. Yeah. And it's like those guys were also the I don't they were also the hippies. You forget that that was like the hippie generation, and they yeah. literally as soon as the money started flowing in, they just undid their dreadlocks immediately, and tired, completely, and just forgot all about it. It's incredible. No, but I, do you not think that there might be a bit of that with your generation to a point whereby at, right now at this point it makes sense to be anti-establishment to want to want to impose bigger taxes? But if there's some sort of bubble. This is the real acid test, isn't it? I always thought yeah. the interesting thing about cr- grime for Corbyn, what happens, Those boy, a lot of those boys are now fucking millionaires. The first times you get hit with capital gains tax, I want to see grime for Corbyn when all those boys hit 40. That, I want to see <laughs> I, think, I want to see what their opinions on tax are then. I think for, I mean, a lot of our generation, what I see a lot amongst my friends and everything, is just a general apathy towards politics, particularly traditional yeah. politics. All of the debates that I had... And I think that's what the older generation become frustrated at is see, at seeing. There's so many of the debates are about, you know, the woke stuff and, you know, trans debates, all of those things. Mm. There's not much about, you don't have economic debates. Yeah. We don't really, mm. there isn't like, one, we don't make enough money to really think about the taxes because we're not, you know, once we yeah. happen, we're not yeah. in the higher echelons of earnings where you're starting to think about kind of tax policies or anything. But I think there's, because of the successive, kind of crises that we've been around from it's like we don't you don't really engage in party politics because it all just looks like a mess so that's why a lot of these other debates Mm. kind of because that's the the, our generation's political engagements tends to be you know social activism rather than a a sense of traditional i just want to talk about economics yeah diversity and like personal adverts and stuff that's where the big debates need to be happening because i think that is i mean that's the most interesting place to have diversity (laughs) is is the the company that once talked about getting your whites whiter than yeah. ever before. <laughs> Do you think that they feel guilty about that slogan and they're just waiting? So they've just thought, right, we need more mixed race couples because we said way too much stuff about the value of being white. Well, do you think that, yeah, I, I wonder, do you think they, they'd have to try and change the view to try and get the whites whiter? I don't know how you'd advertise that in a woke way, you know, if you're trying to make No, because, white. yeah, I guess that you're right. That's where social activism comes up or against not. the fact that people... <laughs> You know, you can <laughs> or not, or you know. Um, is it a, t- a good time to do comedy? Because I think every era there's this tendency. I, I came originally, which you might have heard about the Jonglers era, whereby if you were a weekend comedian, you could earn a decent living doing that. Yeah. Now, one thing I say about comics of your age is you're definitely harder working than my generation, <laughs> simply because you got to put stuff out there all the time. Is there part of you that just thinks, fuck that? Is it like a ball ache or, or is it creatively exciting to always feel that you need to have stuff out there? If you've got the right idea, then it's fun. But I think there's a kind of expectation, particularly with someone like TikTok, where you will get better views and more traction if you post pretty much on a weekly basis. So you mm. do end up just kind of scraping the barrel for ideas and do come up with some absolute dog shit. <laughs> and when it's when you're there is a distinction. There are times when you feel like you're posting because you need to post. Yeah. That's when it's bad. If you're coming up with it, it's mm. basically if you're coming up with the idea, it's great. If you are scraping the barrel, then it's a bit like it feels like a job. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I think also um, you're, you're talking about that from a stand up perspective. 
and like Andrew doesn't do stand up and I do stand up but I've always wanted to be a filmmaker so like the mix of stuff I really like personally I think if I was just a stand up and I was being forced to do all of this stuff I think there's a lot of people who begrudgingly do content so they can sell tickets to their live shows but for me I like doing the live stuff and I enjoy making this both for their own sake I'm not doing one to support the other I like both of them so I enjoy both of it but if normal it... stand-ups would struggle, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what you've described how I feel about it. Yeah. It's a relationship. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you said about posting stuff to sell tickets. I'm like, that's the only reason I, I, I post stuff. I mean, it can be nice when you see an idea land. Like, there was a bit I did on Live at the Apollo years ago, and it was just about fucking, like, going to the airport and your wife carrying your passport. It's the most mainstream yeah. idea. And then, like, I definitely thought that was the least good thing I'd done on Live at the Apollo, and it was my biggest TikTok clip by a fucking country mile. Um, and and I, but what it does mean in terms of putting up clips is you're sort of always on stage. That's my fear for the younger generation is in in terms of who's liking this, who's liking that. Are old clips doing well? Yeah. That feeling of just getting off stage and putting it away for a while. I wonder if that there's a pressure on mental health because you're always always doing a gig essentially. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think actually the number one thing that I don't like is that we've made a cut. We we've worked for periods where we've managed to get like a sketch out a week for like three or four months mm. done some of our best sketches and it's a feeling then we haven't put out a sketch now for like a month and it already just feels like you're just sort of fading away and suddenly you, you have to keep it up that's what i don't like because there's it's people's it, memories are so short term mm. and yeah it, it, you're right it's just as soon as You've, yeah, that just this month of stopping, you feel like we've already had some messages of people going, you keep going, you should still do it. It's like, yeah, yeah we've just, it's been Christmas. Give us a bit. I, I feel like I've depressed you both a bit by pointing out the relentlessness of the <laughs> No, not at all. Aware. No, we're very aware. Because <laughs> with TV, you'd make a TV show and then it's like, I did that. And then people just remember that for like 10, 15 years and that you just live off that. With the short form nature of consuming TikTok content means that. It's very short-term memory yeah. of that actual thing, which I don't like that aspect of it. Um, do you, I mean, do you think, like, in terms of the kind of... Do you get, like, any of your contemporaries? Have you ever had pushback in terms of people finding issues in your content? Weirdly not. I, mean, it, it, I don't know what the rule is, because we've never run into anything. I mean, our, our podcast, we, we, we speak pretty loosely. I don't think our sketches have anything controversial in, at all, really. Um, we got cancelled for, for. But we did get cancelled <laughs> for, uh, for food waste. Actually. For food waste, which yeah. is really, yeah, we, oh, yeah. we we weren't expecting that one. We posted a sketch. It was it was a, <laughs> it was a dumb sketch called. Uh, it was like a five second meal, so it was kind of parodying, you know, the ten minute meals, and the, there seems to be five minute meals now, and so we did one mm, yeah. with two. Two British chefs doing making five second meals. Like Jamie Oliver making a spaghetti bolognese in town. Yes, yeah, yeah. Just smashing everything together. Yeah. So for that, we were we'd just be <laughs> chucking food around and just smashing it with a broom and things like that. Um mm. and so I think in total we probably wasted four pound fifties worth of food. Um, but then when we posted oh, on, sounds, on, on Twitter, <laughs> uh, there wasn't a general consensus of that we've done something good. Um, so we got they, yeah the food wasters came for us, which is not a lobby I realised. <laughs> yeah, but they're out there. But we yeah, it, it was, oh yeah, but I suppose it was it in the slipstream of free school meals, Marcus. Yeah, Rashford. it was. It was. It was. We definitely posted it. We exactly didn't think it about it. Was, yeah. It was literally right in the middle of cost of living stuff. But it was it was interesting because I'd never been on the end of it, and you see how 
a pile on could snowball because someone shared mm. it on Twitter and then because it was shared in the context of like private school boys think it's all right to you know kick a homeless man to death what mm. uh, where was this part and then mm. they're sharing that with that context um I think that's when ah, that see that that is, is is interesting so rather than it you know treating it as a comic sketch which it sounds very much like it was I would suggest no. like a funny thing is that you're they have to add dimensions. This is what's interesting, isn't it? Because they know that if they just say, I, I didn't like this piece of comedy, that yeah. that, that's not going to get contraction. So immediately they add private school lads. Yeah. I mean, is that accurate? Are you private school lads? Yeah. yeah. For us. So, so they've done a bit of research. They must have been fucking delighted when they found out you're private school lads. I don't think they did yes. research. The that's really, the bad thing. The, the, only research, yeah. the only research you really need to do is his first name. Yeah. And it kind of gives them... that That helps, yeah. yeah. It is, did Horatio... Go to private yeah. school. Oh, yeah. uh, answer, I fucking hope so for, for his sake. <laughs> but we made a fake BBC News article <clears throat> with like a live disaster ticker about our yeah. cancellation. And we made it look really legit, like it was front names of BBC News, like sketch mm. duo gets cancelled in food waste scandal. And we'd written like an article saying that because of the amount of food we'd wasted, like Zelensky in Ukraine was starting to send food back to help support the UK. <laughs> but we post it, it's people, because people don't read articles, they just see, yeah. lots of people thought it was real. My dad calls me and he goes, Sam, we've got to get out in front of this. <laughs> <laughs> he was in, but I now know if I get cancelled. Your dad's there. All right, I hope you're enjoying the chat with Boys Gone Wild there. This is, it's great, isn't it? Meeting across, it's like two generations meeting in no man's land, you know, in, in the world in the world wars, and we're just having a, a little kick about there. But they're funny lads, and um, I'm really, really interested by their worldview. Um, just, the, just to hype the tour, really, tickets are on sale. There are a number of venues that are getting very close to capacity. I think Bristol might well be sold out um, by the time you hear this. Bristol, Bedford and Brighton, actually. The Free Bees um, also... Swindon Arts Centre. <laughs> I mean, look, don't get me wrong, Swindon, but there's just something about Swindon and Arts Centre that does sound a little bit like an oxymoron. Uh, Belfast and Dublin. I'll have to keep mentioning these ones because these aren't natural territories for me to sell in, but we've got sales on the board there and I would love to do well there because this is my fear, is if I do Dublin and no one comes, everyone will be like, yeah, fucking too. Yeah, try to go to Dublin. Of course, Dublin said, fuck off. I do get that sometimes, by the way is that when I do advertising for my shows, I'll get people um, on Facebook that will go, um, uh, Gla- did I say this last week? But Glasgow doesn't want to see a fucking Tory. Um, and as though Glasgow is just one person and that one person is them. Meanwhile, good point. Glasgow is selling well. Milton Keynes is selling well. The first London date is almost uh, sold out. We might add others, but just get in there because we don't know what, what dates will be uh, available. Um, so I hope to see as many out of you, as many you... As many of you out there as possible. And when I do the tour, I'll definitely do better talking than this. Who, like, I mean, I'm just interested in your sort of comedic influences. Who are the kind of people that you that you watched growing up and that, that, that really formed your comedic conscious? For me, in t- TV shows-wise, it would be uh, the thick of it. Peep show mm. in the office would be my yeah. big kind of three. Mm. Um, and then I've always really liked um Limmy's show, who's like yeah. a sketch, sketch, yeah, yeah. I love his, yeah, love his um sketch series. 
But that's always those have been my biggest ones on TV. Yeah, I think I think we're I think with our sketches, I think we we're quite inspired by like that period from 1995 to 2005, where mm. British comedy on TV was in a real golden age, and it's sort of what we grew up catching the end of which you don't really see anymore from basically the day to day till the thick of it in mm. between that mm. was so many unbelievable shows like even that mm. one like big train Barasso. garth Morangi's dark places like there's so much in that period i think we're very inspired by a lot of that <coughs> weirdly <coughs> i think a lot of our sketch stuff's inspired by <coughs> key and peel which we were really mm. into Peel at school. Do you mm. remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think for, for the way that they used to make sketches, they as well. kind of bring a bit more of a cinematic yeah. lens into sketch. Key and Peel, Key and Peel, I should suggest, I only became aware of them through TikTok recently. Yeah. So you guys watched them at school. I, I, I was I was texting uh, Romish actually with yeah. a bit of a name drop. I was saying these Key and Peel guys, I say they should have their own show. So we spoke about the, the influence of the, the office there. I mean, the, I don't know what you thought about the reaction to the National Comedy Awards. There's a lot of comedians that really don't like the fact that people like Ricky Gervais. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about it, but... what well, we spoke about this the other day because yeah. we were talking about some of these other kind of TikTok, but they're more like TikTok stars, so they do very just like character skits a lot of the time. But like the vast, so many of them are just basically, what I don't like is when someone just does Brent again and doesn't really do anything mm. else of it. Yeah. And I feel like it's, I mean, it's such an amazing thing that The Office has managed to capture such an imagination for people going forward. But mm. you need to like harness that into having your own thing. Yeah. So I, I just find there's far too many Brents out there doing these kind of sketches. Definitely. And I, but with your question about Gervais, I, I, it's interesting with Gervais because certainly his his coolness has changed and his trendiness has changed and he's, he's sort of his audience has slightly changed now as well. And I I do think over the last ten years a lot of the stuff I maybe is just not for me that he's his work is just you know. But people forget for like ten years he was probably the best British comedian in the world and has and no British comedian probably has broken America in the same way. Mm, yeah, yeah. There should be at least some I think sometimes people don't put enough respect on his name for like mm. promoting <clears throat> British comedy in the way he's done. Like he made, in my opinion, my favorite sitcom of all time. He did the Ricky Gervais show podcast, which is it, I think it's the best podcast still. Change it changed podcasts. It really launched. It was like the first the one and the best one. Like, I yeah. think it's the funniest podcast. I think extras is unbelievable, and those early stand-ups are pretty good as well. Idiot abroad also really great. Yeah. So like for ten years well. it was pretty unbelievable. Um, and so I don't think no matter what you think of his stuff now, I do think sometimes people don't put enough respect on his name. I'd say. With the what was interesting though is they were sort of saying that because he won several awards and they were pointing to the fact, well, yeah, but that's only because he's got a massive audience to vote for him. I thought, but having a massive audience is a conquest, a consequence of people thinking that you're funny. Yeah. That's not like a, that's not an answer. I suppose what I got the impression with the fallout from National Comedy Awards, the inference of some of my peers seemed to be. The, we these public votes shouldn't be voted for by the public. I mean, that was basically yeah. the, the undertone, was it? There's a bit, there was a bit of Brexit in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can you can sort of understand, like almost like he's had his turn <laughs> in a way. Mm. And because of the ferocity of Ricky's online fans, it does feel like no matter what show he'd put out, no matter how good the show was, he was going to win no matter what, due to his last past work, maybe not on the quality of his current work. But the, I, what I worry is what their their inference is is that 
public vote should really be decided on a panel of about six people. I suppose the the problem with the comedy industry is that when it when it, the gates are fully manned by gatekeepers, the size of the television audience for comedy and terrestrial has gone down exponentially. So yes. on the one hand, right. maybe they're on the lookout to push things forward, but in terms of like bona fide hits, I know there's been a couple of sitcoms like Ghosts and stuff recently, but outside of that, the audience for a lot of stuff has been on on, on the wane. I mean, do, do, is that still a goal for you? Is breaking into terrestrial sort of legacy media is that is that a goal for you? Definitely, but I think it's much more emotional goal than like a practical one. Like I feel like mm. we just like TV. I love. All, I was inspired by so many TV shows. I'd love to have a go at making something long form. Mm through and try and see what I could do with we could do with TV um but you know I I do think that over the last 10 years compare it for that 10 years that really inspired us there's definitely been over the last 10 years if you try and name shows compared to the 10 years prior I just don't know how many true classic hits there have been and there's loads of reasons for that but um yeah, but does a classic hit need to be that loads of us have all watched the same thing? So you take there, there are shows that, like Gavin and Stacey is a good example. Yeah. I yeah. It was never fully my cup of tea. I, I liked yeah. it. I, I always enjoyed watching it, but it never really made me laugh in the way that something like The Office or The Thick of It would. Yeah. But the fact was, loads of people watched it and you could talk about it with other people. So is it... Has then is it that there's not been the shows of that quality or just the fact that we're all watching so much different stuff a mainstream hit is no longer possible. I don't think there's been anything in terms of like ITV, BBC, that kind of comedy. Maybe Fleabag's probably the last one that would be something that was like a hit and really good. For me, I can't really think of a sitcom that's other than Fleabag. And Fleabag isn't really a sitcom in some ways. But if I say to my relatives like Fleabag, they'll Fleabag what? Like they're just, it's not something that, that bro. There's some of the do you do you get that like even like things like Ted Lasso you know everyone in our world will be like oh Ted Lasso Ted Lasso you speak to the general public what the fuck is Ted Lasso yeah yeah I th- is it it's, it's huge in America isn't it Ted Lasso or is that's that, big yeah I don't know I don't, yeah people sweeps, just don't watch awards sweeps the Emmys but what does that even mean like yeah. awards <laughs> I think you're right though people just want, aren't watching TV so you can't you, everything has to be a niche in a way so you can't have that collective experience mm. i don't know what i don't fully know what it is but there's just they had genuine there's, there's a clear change in quality of stuff in tv and it's a big a big point for us is when we used to go home on a thursday night and watch the inbetweeners when it came out yeah and that's like mm. it's because you're part you feel part of this same cultural conversation because you go back into school the next day and be like and you'd all discuss what you saw the night well, I guess it's sharing tonight. TikToks now. Yeah, and there isn't because you don't have that. It's on at this time that this time that night every week, and then you all go back and you kind of experience the same thing. That that isn't really a thing anymore because of uh, streaming services as well, which you can kind of watch it whenever you want. And there's so many options. But I guess when the printing press was invented, I bet some people missed hearing spoken word. News. Oh yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I yeah. For me, n- <laughs> news isn't news unless there's a geezer going here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you remember the old days when there used, it used to be collective experience. Now we're all just sat reading it off this printed paper. Yes, there's or loads more information. <laughs> and and yes, the town crier did sometimes put in alternative facts and make yeah, up his own shit. You know, we were together. 
but we did it in the town square. I mean, the other thing I was thinking, like, at the same time as, like, comedy audiences have become niche. Like I said, I think there's goes Motherland, like, does well, and, and Ghosts, which I should probably watch. But... Is meanwhile those drama pricks? What the fuck is going to drama? Drama is the thing now. The people were like Happy Valley. People get if you something just got murder in it. Yeah. I don't understand why that's not offensive to people whose family have suffered from murder. Why is why is it okay to have so much murder on television? Because it's weirdly vague murder. Is it vague? Well, it's just so classic. It's so classic. A Greek tragedy. Everything's got murder. It's like. It's the base mm. stories is murder. The Bible's murder. Everything's got murder in it. It's like the easiest way to make a twist in a story. So it's kind of doesn't feel like a personal attack because it's like every story involves murder pretty much. Yeah, I guess it's death and but, bereavement as well. Yeah. But, but, that, but that's in a way more common. Like you couldn't take another heinous crime, like, you know, like Murder on the Orient Express. There's loads of films that have the word murder in. Yeah. You couldn't have like Rape on the Orient Express. That is not... <laughs> No, that film you could yeah, but it's not I mean, it, there's, there's going to be blowback this kickstarter campaign <laughs> <laughs> there was well look there look there was, was I, I said something dodgy you didn't balk completely I think um, I, I I would suggest anybody I'm trying to get more of my followers to get on TikTok because I do I, I think it, it has its problems but it's a fucking laugh and you guys are putting out great, great content and um, and obviously there's your podcast. Is is there other stuff that I should be pushing people towards? Uh, no, we do. I, I do live shows. If you follow my Instagram for live dates, um, and mm. also at the moment I've got a uh, a web series out with Finn Taylor, who I assume your fans are fans of as well. Yep. Yeah, he's been on the show. Um, we've got this web series called Finn vs the Internet, where it's like a between two ferns, Eric Andre style uh, parody interview with internet stars which you should check out as well i think that there's a little bit more homework for my audience there between two ferns but again i would say that these things key and peel there's some some takeaway there's some homework from yeah. this show right key and peel between two ferns i think that that is something that my audience will enjoy as will they enjoy uh, your content so horatio and andrew boys gone wild thanks so much for being on the show thanks, thanks jeff. very much jeff cheers Okay, that was it. Boys gone wild. What a brilliant chat. Definitely want to have those boys back because I want to I want to just talk to them about topical stuff as well because I think they're coming from such an interesting place. So look out for them reappearing in a few months' time. Uh, let's do a couple of quick letters. So this is from Colin. Jeff, I can't remember if it was you or the Have A Word boys, but one of you asked for funny, stupid or interesting nicknames that either we or our friends have. I have a pal from school called Keith who lost an eye when we were in our teens because he had ocular cancer. We call him Keth. <laughs> we call him Keth, so they've taken out the I out of his name. He's an absolute legend and took the cancer and nickname in his stride. Oh, that's brilliant. Cheers, Jeff, and look forward to seeing you in Dundee. You will definitely see me in Dundee. There you go. You should come to Dundee as well. Buy tickets for that. And just, um, if you enjoy the podcast, it always helps. It's actually helped the reviews that people have given recently because the more reviews you have when you ask people to be guests on the show... Um, they go and check that and it, it really is if you can just go on iTunes and give me uh, a five star review that would be greatly appreciated um, this one uh, says not a bad lad not a bad lad I reckon that's a scouser not a bad lad stumbled across this podcast last year 
always enjoyed his various TV and radio appearances. Don't let his right-wing tag put you off. See, there's definitely a scouser there. They might, that might not put him off, mate. Uh, he's always happy to have a crack at all sides. Thank you for recognising that. I do try to do that. Good range of guests. Nice mix of comic and thought-provoking. Often find myself laughing out loud and becoming more of a scouser the more I speak. Uh, this is from someone called blah, 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 Bladvark. Uh, great guests, always entertaining, mixture of politics and current affairs with humour and actually allows his guests to speak and doesn't talk over them. Not everyone agrees with that, by the way. I try my best. I just like talking. That's why I've got a podcast. He also asked podcaster, podcast listeners to write up a review. Well worth a listen. Um, yes, the reviews help. And if you want to join the Patreon, that all helps. And I hope you will go and give Boys Gone Wild a check. And just, you know, just start following young men. <laughs> For, that's do what I do. Just I'm gonna start. I've, I've made it my New Year's resolution belatedly. I'm just gonna start following more young men. Does that sound bad? See you next week.